I love to think about it that a belief is a habit of thought. By doing the affirmations, you are practicing a thought that you want to believe and really internalize. So how do you get rid of a limiting belief? You practice an expansive belief. And that's really what we're doing with affirmations. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hey there, Artpreneur. This is Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place. I'm your curator of inspiration and you're listening to episode number 275. So I have a very special guest today, but before we get into the interview and before I I bring our guest on, I just wanted to catch you up with some things that are happening around the Shulman household. So some of you may know I have or I had a cat named Ebony. Don't worry, she's still very well and healthy. But when we decided a little over a year ago to move from our house in the suburbs, uh, we sold our house in the suburbs. And instead of that, we now have a farmhouse in the country and an apartment in the city. And our 25-year-old, she's going to be 26 years old soon, but last year she was 24 going on 25. She was still living at home. And so we said, hey, honey, it's time for you to leave. So she had to move out and get an apartment. So it wasn't her idea, but she was ready for it. And as her consolation prize for moving out, we said, okay, but you can have our family cat, Ebony, because she was very attached to the cat. And we just didn't think it was nice to take the cat with us to the city and leave her totally alone. And she very grateful to have Ebony. So Ebony is fine. She's fine. She's 12 years old. But I really missed having a cat, especially since I work from home. Many of you can relate to this who have studio practices. I'm home all day. And I really did miss the company of having cat. So I went about trying to adopt a cat in New York City, which is like trying to get your kid into a New York City private school. So there is a few places to adopt a cat. The one that I went to was Howard Stern's wife, Beth Stern, has a whole network of fosters and she has these really cute kittens and cats that she posts on her Instagram feed. And so I thought I wanted one of those and I went to her site and it was, I kid you not, it was a 12 page application. And you had to have several references, which they checked. And I know this because the people who I put as references, they all got called. And I was on the wait list for like well over six months. And I couldn't even get a kitten because if you want a kitten, you have to adopt two or three, like the siblings. And if I wanted a cat, it had to be like a special needs cat with one eye and everything. And I don't know. I didn't think I was up for that. So my husband was really fed up with that whole process. He was tired of listening to me bitch about missing out on cats. And we decided that August was get a cat month. So I know you're listening in September or or after. I'm recording this the end of August. And so we were going to be spending two weeks in the country. And the very first day of that vacation, my husband 
said, why don't we just get a cat up here? So we went to the Sullivan County uh, shelter, went online, and I was very skeptical. I said, well, do they have cats? Because usually they don't have cats or they don't have kittens. Uh, I mean, I was happy to get an adult cat. And he says, yeah, look. And on the website was his most adorable little tuxedo kitten. So I called them up and they told me to just fill out the application, which was less than two pages online. I called them back. They looked it over and they said, okay, we'll put her on hold for you. When do you want to pick her up? I was like, oh my gosh, this was so much easier than the city people. And my husband, of course, has to say that's because everything's easier in the country. You know, my husband is the country mouse. I am the city mouse. So we went to the shelter and we saw this little kitten curled up in the cage next to another kitten. And both kittens looked so forlorn and sad. And I went to pick up the cat that we ultimately adopted. And she was so scared. She literally leaped out of my arms. And it wasn't to escape, by the way. It was to get back into the cage. She wanted to get back into the cage. And for the first 24 hours that we were home, she was really scared. She didn't eat. She didn't drink. She hid from us. Now she's fine. I just want you to know she is really thriving after she got over that initial fear. And she still prefers to hide in cave-like furniture, but she's completely come out of her shell. If you're a crazy cat lady like me, you can check out, her name is Luna. We named her because she's a tuxedo. And also I have an affinity for Luna, the Harry Potter character. So we thought that was the perfect name for a little girl tuxedo cat. But we did make a, a highlight reel for her. If you want to Check that out on my Instagram. That's at Shulman Art. But here is what I want you to know, because there's a lesson in this for you. So just like this little kitten did not trust that the next life would be better. She didn't trust us. She was reluctant to leave her cage because that's all she knew. And that is something I see people who want to become artists, who want to grow their business. I see this reluctance to want to leave what they know. They're reluctant to leave this ordinary world for a more extraordinary life. I talk about this in my book, Artpreneur, that this is a common motif in literature and movies. It's called the hero's journey. And it's a storytelling pattern that's common across time and cultures. You'll see this in The Wizard of Oz when Dorothy initially runs away, but she comes back to find Aunt um, Harry Potter, Star Wars. So this is a plot structure you always see. Every story follows this pattern that the hero feels a call for adventure. Dorothy wants to go over the rainbow. Harry wants to become a wizard. Luke Skywalker wants to join the Jedi Order. But then the typical hero in this storytelling genre will resist the call. Like I said, Dorothy returns to her on M before the tornado carries her away. And Harry doesn't believe he is in fact a wizard. So what's happening here, this resistance, the resistance to take the next step that the little kitten felt like, even though she was not that happy in that cage, she didn't want to leave the cage because that's all she knew. Here is what's going on, both with the characters and the stories, with the kitten and what is happening with you. Your brain has evolved for survival and helps keep you safe from perceived dangers that may await you outside of your cave. 
However, when we do that, we often choose to ignore the dangers inside the cave. For this poor little kitten, we actually ended up taking her to the vet a few days later, and we found that her ears were completely infested with ear mites, the poor little kitten. Don't worry, she's totally healthy now. We've treated her, and she's thriving. I can't, I mean, she is just so adorable. But what I'm sharing with you is that, you know, she was so scared. I, and I asked the shelter, I was like, do you guys take them out of the cage and hold them? Like, oh, yes, of course. But she was very, very scared. So what happens with us is we feel the same way. We want to stay in that cage. We want to stay in that cave. We're not thinking about what's wrong with the cage and what's wrong with the cave because our fear of the unknown causes us to tolerate everything that's not working in our present situation. This is what is known. This is what feels safe to us. It feels safer to us to stay the same even when it's bad. So if you're working in a corporate job, and this is particularly true for women in corporate jobs, whether you experience misogyny, sexual harassment, systemic racism, being passed over for promotion, insufficient workplace boundaries, long hours, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't believe that a more extraordinary life awaits you, then you'll hold on to that ordinary life with all of your might. You will want to stay in that cage even when you're being abused by your job. So here's what I want you to know before we get into today's show. As you stand at the threshold between your ordinary life and the more extraordinary life that awaits you, don't wait for someone to rescue you and pull you out of that cage. Don't wait for a disaster like the pandemic or losing your job as a sign for the universe. If you've been waiting for the right time to start a new creative career, or to begin to start making time for creativity, please know there will never be a perfect time. And also, if you're waiting till you've evolved your style, that's something I hear quite a lot. Also know your style will continue to evolve the entire time you're an artist. So stop waiting. I don't know one person who began their creative journey or creative career who didn't wish they'd started it sooner. I've dedicated my life's work to creating resources to help you, like this podcast, like my book, Artpreneur, and when you're ready to go deeper, the Artist Incubator Coaching Program. So to learn more about all the ways you can go further with me, I'd love to be your guide. I'd love to be your Obi-Wan. Go to shulmanart.com forward slash biz, biz as in B-I-Z, B as in boy, I as in ice cream, Z as in zebra. Go to shulmanart.com forward slash biz. And now on with the show. In today's episode, we have a very special guest joining us. She's a renowned speaker, trainer, best-selling author, and award-winning business coach and founder of SheGotClients.com a company focused on helping spiritual-minded coaches, experts, leaders, and practitioners add six figures in new revenue, all while simplifying their marketing strategies and embracing intentional energy direction. So in today's conversation, we'll discuss the mindset shifts needed to overcome self-doubt and fear, as well as how to strike a balance between your artistic pursuits and the business sides of things. So please welcome to the Inspiration Place, 
Christine Gallagher. Well, hey there, Christine. Welcome to the show. Hey, Miriam. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So tell us where in the world are you? I know we spoke before, but I forget. Yeah, I am in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, near the Scary Bridge. Which That's you right, just Scary <laughs> Bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm originally from Jersey, but I moved to Florida about, I came to Florida for the winter four years ago and just never left. I just, I came for the winter and never left. <laughs> Hilarious. So we had the Jersey conversation too. We're in Jersey. A, a little bit. I'm Cherry Hill. So okay, uh, right outside Jersey. of Philly. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I was on Christine's podcast. So we'll make sure we link to that episode in the show notes. So Christine, your story is so inspiring. And I'm so honored to have you here today to share your wisdom from building a thriving business, helping others make more money without sacrificing their authenticity. So my first question for you is if you could please share the concept of your 90-10 method and how it can benefit. We're talking to creative entrepreneurs. Sometimes I'm just going to say artpreneurs in terms of marketing mindset. And just so you you know, it's not just painters who listen to this. Mm. So artists are any anybody who has a creative business. And I know quite a few people who don't even have a creative business who listened to our show. So what we do talk about primarily marketing a mindset for creative business people. Love that. Yeah. So the 90-10 thing. So I've been a marketing coach for almost 15 years and I'm a very logical brain, very like systems and structure. And uh, if anyone's familiar with Myers-Briggs, I'm ISTJ, which um, is known as the logistician. Like literally, it's all logic, logic, logic. And so built my business very much in that way where it was like, marketing is the thing and and strategy is the thing and doing the steps. And I love strategy and all of that is great. And of course, it's needed. But what I have found over the years is that it's really just 10% of what creates your success. Now, it's an important 10%. Don't get me wrong. As a marketing coach, I am like happy to talk to you all day long about the strategy. But it's what's underneath that, the 90%, which is the mindset piece and the foundation that is the most important thing. And if you put all your focus on how-to and mechanics and strategies, you can be very successful. Like that's how I built my business. I I did that. But I got to a point in my business where I started to feel really sort of bored and discontent and, you know, maybe had a bit of a spiritual awakening. Like all these things started happening. And I started realizing that so much of what makes us successful is the stories that we tell ourselves, the beliefs we have about ourselves, our self-concept, and also what I call inner conversations, what we're saying to ourselves. So now I still teach the marketing, but I always make sure that we have that foundational piece there for my clients so that they understand that this is everything. This is huge. Well, you're preaching to the choir. And <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then my listeners know, I, I say it all the time, like it, Talent will only take you so far. Strategy will only take you so far. It, you will totally, you will sabotage yourself every single time if you don't have the right mindset. I've always had a healthy skepticism around like, you know, like the woo or the esoteric. And but now I'm obsessed with all that stuff. Because <laughs> I'm like, that's what it's about. This review from Artpreneur will surely get you to buy your own copy now. Here's what Valerie Mead has to say. Thank you for writing this book. Very inspiring. Your word speaks so true to me. Just what I needed to hear to counter my own negativity around being an artist. Still not convinced? Get your copy of Artpreneur at artpreneurbook.com. 
Another review from Mrs. N.L. Hughes says, I love this book. I have read it twice through and got so many extra tips on the second reading. To someone just starting to be commercial with their art and not wanting to waste time, it is invaluable. And now back to the show. Okay, so let's move forward because we have so much to cover today. So many people in my audience struggle with marketing themselves and their work. So how can they simplify their efforts while still achieving big results and big impact? Because I know that's a big part of what you do is like really helping them reduce that overwhelm. Yeah. I mean, there's so many kind of ways to come at that. But one of the big things that I talk about a lot, and this may or may not apply to all of the people that you work with, but this idea of just, you need to simplify to scale. You know, you really do need to kind of bring things more simple than just keep adding and adding and adding. So in the world of like online marketing and like putting offers out there, for example, one of the things I talk about is like, do you really need that many offers? It's a hundred percent the same thing with my audience. And I'll tell you why. Yeah, I talked to one gal the other day who she's just getting started and she was telling me, well, I know I need all these multiple income streams. So I am going to do pattern design and I am going to create an online class and I'm going to teach in person and I'm going to sell my art. I was like, hey, yeah. slow down. Those are four different businesses. Right. Yeah. So it's it's the same thing, right? It's totally it's like- the same thing. It's just, and then even if they're focused just on products, sometimes they diversify that too much and that also will dilute their results. Yeah. So they're making paintings and pottery. I was like, no, one. Right. Otherwise, you're turning yourself into a target that offers everything. You want to be a Tiffany's one thing. You do one thing really well. Yeah, absolutely. 100% what you're saying applies. If you're listening, when she says offers, anything that you are selling is an offer, whether that is an art class, an online class, a piece of art for sale, a different kind of piece of art for sale, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's a big part of it. So for, you know, in in my case it was I had so many offers that it was like and that's part of being, you know, a creative also is like I have an idea for this and idea for this. At first I thought this is the answer, the more offers, the more, you know, again, income streams. And you know, we have like blown up the business and simplified so many things. And so I focus now more on you know, two two very like intentional types of offers rather than having 12 different offers. So that's a big part of it. Also, I think messaging becomes a lot simpler and easier and more streamlined when you don't have a million zillion things that you're trying to put out there. And what I teach is really bring it back to basics because there's so much you can do with marketing. There's so much you can do. You can have funnels, you can have ads, you can have telesummits, you can have live events. I mean, a million things. And it's like, what are you going to focus on the most? And in my experience, when you focus on a particular, you know, few offers or a couple of offers and really tight messaging, that's what, that's really what it comes down to with marketing. Now, yes, there's different vehicles for getting your stuff out there, but if you don't have the offer right and you don't have the messaging right, you're going to have a much harder time. <laughs> and so it's like simplify to scale up for sure. One of the first things I do with my accelerator clients, so that's like I have a big group coaching program and then I have like a smaller 10 people. One of the first things I do with them is I help them with their messaging because they like to say things like, my art is creates joy. Like I think that's what like most of my artists go to because they feel happy creating their art. So it's it's for joy. I was like, you got to get more specific than that. <laughs> right. So this is like you could 
it's way too vague. So that first thing we do is we figure out who their art is for and why. It's like same thing for you. It's just instead of their art is whatever it is that they're selling. Yeah. And also, Miriam, I think that you do talk about this with the people you work with as well is like the pricing piece. There's something wrong with having like lower priced things and building your business on volume. But a lot of times what people realize is that they don't necessarily have to do that. They can have more like high-end type offers and not need as many people and not need as much volume. And for some people, that's good. Some people, they don't like that idea. They're like, I like the big numbers and the lower price. But, you know, it's when you're working with people that are paying like high-end prices, it's just a different type of client. And you need, in my experience, it's less complicated. What a lot of my artists come against is they think they'll get more people at lower prices and then they don't. Yes, exactly. So the artists who struggle are trying to paint small things with small prices. Mm -hmm. And they'll even argue with me. I like to paint small. I was like, no, what you're saying to me is that you like to be small. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, And the artists who thrive, they are making big art with big price tags, less customers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you get it. You get it. Today, we have an Amazon review that caught our attention from across the pond. Liz, an artpreneur herself, left a glowing review of Artpreneur, This essential guide is a must-have for any artist wanting to make a living from their art. Liz describes it as hugely inspiring and motivating, packed full of practical steps to move my art business forwards. We definitely agree. To get Chapter 1 of Artpreneur absolutely free, all you have to do is head on over to shulmanart.com forward slash believe. You can also purchase the book from any bookseller and get the exclusive Inspiration Place bonus package by heading to artpreneurbook.com. Now, in order to explore more practical strategies for overcoming fear and self-doubt, let's get back to our show. Let's circle back to mindset now. Yeah, so what mindset practices can the people listening adopt? Here's the big one, the big... $100 million question to overcome fear, self-doubt, or any other mindset barriers that may be holding them back? Such a big question. Well, I I think that the big one that has made the biggest impact for me and for my clients that I've seen is self-concept work. So self-concept work just meaning like, what do you believe about yourself in the world? What is your concept of yourself in the world? Um, You know, what is your lens that you're seeing the world through? And I call that your I am, right? I am. What are you saying after the words I am? That's really important. Your self-concept is also what you think other people think of you, right? And what you think of situations in general. So why does this matter? Because what you think of yourself actually creates your reality. And so when you think about what you deeply assume about yourself and others in your world, that becomes your self-concept. And so when we let's say, are putting out an offer and the offer doesn't work, it flops, it doesn't sell. You know, what is the concept that you have of yourself in that moment? Is it that I suck, I'm never going to go anywhere, no one wants this, you know, my stuff is terrible, you know, or is it that there were other reasons why maybe this didn't go? Or even if there weren't any other reasons, it doesn't mean that I'm a a terrible person or a bad marketer or whatever it might be, right? So it's all the things that you kind of pick up about yourself 
and believe about yourself. And so self-concept comes from a few different places, but a lot of our stuff comes from when we're ages zero to seven. You know, a lot of that comes from when we're a kid and we don't know to question the stuff that we pick up about ourselves. And so those things become our adult beliefs. Something your parents said to you at five years old gets embedded and becomes the concept that you have about yourself, you know, as a 40-year-old business owner, whatever it is. And the things that you experience most often in your life, they become your dominant assumptions about yourself. And then those beliefs become reflected in your reality. So it's basically all the beliefs you have about yourself, what others think about you. And so one of the tactics or strategies that I've used and continue to use, I was just doing it this morning, is is work with affirmations. And it's funny because I used to kind of poo-poo affirmations, kind of be like, affirmations. You know, I would think of like Stuart Smalley on SNL, like I'm good enough, I'm smart enough. And he's looking in the mirror and gosh darn it, everyone likes me. And so I used to kind of be like, oh, this is silly. Like but, the thoughts with Jack Handy. Well, there was a different yeah, SNL. Deep scene. thoughts. Oh my God. Deep thoughts. That's it. Yes. That I, used love, I used to love those. But yeah, it's, it's all of those things that you're telling yourself. And so what I will do is I will, I have a special notebook just for my affirmations. And first thing in the morning, before I get on my phone and get on Facebook and all the things, I will just fill up a P, one page of that notebook with the affirmations for the day that I feel like I most need to hear. And usually I tell people when people are like, well, what should my affirmations be? Like, well, what is actually tripping you up? What are the things about yourself that aren't supporting your success? Let's flip that. Let's come up with an opposite statement. So it's the difference between just mindlessly reading affirmations and actually using them in a way that works for you is you actually feel them when you're writing them and reading them. So I will write them out. Like I will repeat, let's say I'll pick three and I'll repeat just keep repeating them. I was just about to ask you if you're repeating yeah. the same one. So you'll pick three for the I'll day three. and then fill the whole page with those same three. Exactly. And then, and so as I'm writing them, I'm really feeling into it. Right. And then, and then when I'm, I'm done writing them out, I read it over again a few times until I feel like I'm really absorbing that. And it's really, again, affecting my self concept. So it's repetition. It's not like you do it once, you do it twice and you're good. You keep doing that. And it's like they change based on what I'm meeting that morning. Like the other day, it was ones about relationships. <laughs> relationships are hard and like, you know, dating is hard and they were about that. But like, you know, they can also be about money and business and all that. So that's huge. Um, and also visualization, Miriam. I'm a big proponent of visualization and visualizing the end result of where you want to be as if you already are there. So the another way to put this is living in the end, right? So if you wanted to sell a particular piece of art and you have some belief issues around like, wow, could I really do this for this price? It's like flashing forward. Like, what would it feel like to know that that had already happened? Like, what would I be doing, seeing, saying, feeling yeah. and actually feeling into that? One um, thing that came yeah. up the other night in my Artist Accelerator coaching call, that's with my higher inner circle, is... I was telling them when I'm selling my art in person, I have a little clipboard with a email intake form as well mm -hmm. as a sales slip. And as soon as I find out the person's name, I'm already putting their name on the sales slip. Like, of course, they're going to buy something. And it's like really affects the way I'm showing up with them. I don't have that desperate, nervous energy. Will they buy? Will they not buy? Now, of course, I'm detached. If they end up not buying, okay, I throw it out. But it really does change the way I show up, having that idea that it's as good as done. 
by mm-hmm. like writing it out and thinking about it in that way. I love that. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny because when I think about it, again, my logical brain is like, well, how does that work? But it's the way we show up. Like, I mean, yes. I know the woo people are t- going to be the manifester talking about it yeah. that way. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you and I being I, whatever, whatever, Jay, we are. Right. 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 Uh, yes. Something. Okay. So like th- to me, it's like when you, you're just thinking in that positive way, of course, you're going to show up differently. Yeah. Of course exactly. you are. Exactly. Yeah. And same with the self-concept. I mean, that's going to affect how you show up, how you handle things and how you respond and what you think about yourself. So obviously, yeah, that's going to change your circumstances. So yeah, you can say, oh, it's this manifestation. It's actually pretty practical and and It really is. I as well am a new believer in affirmations and I used to like poo-poo them. And I I have a a very strong practice now around affirmations. And the way I love to think about it is that a belief is a habit of thought. Mm. And by doing the affirmations, you are practicing a thought that you want to believe and really internalize. So how do you get rid of a limiting belief? You practice an expansive belief, something, and that's really what we're doing with affirmations. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I've noticed is that a lot of times the affirmations that you want to use, it, it usually reflects back to like main fears. Like a lot of us, I've kind of like looked into what are like the biggest main fears that all of us have. And we all have different fears, but there's some core fears that really keep coming up, right? So like one of them is if your emotional needs weren't met as a child, for example, you might have this deep core fear of like, I won't be able to get love from this person or I won't be able to get love period from anyone, right? So if that's your dominant fear, it's looking at what are the visualizations and the affirmations that are the opposite of that. Another example is like, I won't be chosen, right? So if you've had a lot of experiences growing up of um, shame or bullying or not being enough or being different than others, then your dominant fear, it's probably going to be something around, I'm not going to be chosen, right? And so that we have to look at that and be like, is that, you know, is that going on for you, right? Or you won't stay, you know, if you were abandoned somehow physically uh, or somebody close to you passed away. You know, we have these fears of like, this person's going to leave or they're not going to stay or I'm not going to, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it, a lot of it goes back, of course, goes back to, to childhood and growing up with this. So here's another artpreneur review to convince you that there's no better time than the present to get your hands on the book Artpreneur. This is what Kelly Joe Murphy has to say. Miriam Shulman's witty and direct style caught my attention that she would share it like it was, and she does. Being an entrepreneur myself, I figured I already knew the nuts and bolts of building a business, but realized that different kinds of businesses need different kinds of care and attention to grow. That is what this book spelled out for me. If you're an artist who wants to sell your art and turn it into a business that thrives, then Artpreneur is the book for you. And if that's not enough, here's another one from an anonymous reader. Well written and comprehensive. This guide is just that and you won't be left hanging. Miriam's energy will lift you to actually doing something with your art career. Get yours now at shulmanart.com slash book. And now back to the show. All right, Christine, this has been so valuable talking about mindset. What is another practice that you use or another tool that you have 
So something a newer one that I started doing, I think last summer is um, something called scripting. And so scripting, again, you know, is one of those things where it's uh, usually, you know, the written word, you're scripting out the scenario as if it had already happened. So it's like taking the visualization thing to another level where visualization, you can picture it, imagine it, but I actually script out. And so what I'll do is I'll like date something for like 10 days from now or two weeks from now and I'll actually write the date out and then I'll script it as if I'm experiencing the thing that I want to have happened. And there's a great book that I read last year by uh, Royce Kristen and it's called Scripting the Life That You Want. And he explains the whole process and how we sort of like hacked this scripting practice in order to create what you want. And what's freaky and not at all surprising, but still a little bit freaky is I'll go back to some of those scripts and realize that that has actually happened. You know, the thing that I scripted out for 14 days actually happened. And so when, when you look back and you see that, you go, I'm going to keep going. (laughs) There's something to this. When it Um, works, when there's gold, keep digging. Keep going. Yeah, for sure. All right. And then in terms of affirmations, do you have any favorite resources? I know I have a few that I've shared, but I want to see if you have any new ones that I don't know about. Yeah, like specific, specific affirmations. Books books or Mm -hmm. sources where you go looking for affirmations or you just make them up yourself. That's a good question, actually. Um, I think, you know, there are lots of YouTube teachers that I watch and, and things like people who talk about affirmations. So I kind of like see what they're using. But my strategy is usually just flipping whatever the limiting thought or belief is and flipping and finding the opposite of what that is. And then, you know, really just like hammering in on that. All right, Christine, you shared so much wisdom with us. And listeners, if you're either scripting or doing affirmations, what I want you to do is tag Christine on Instagram. She is Christine G. That's Christine with a H, um, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-G. You can tag her and you can even tag me or just let us know, DM her and let us know the your greatest takeaway for today. All right, Christine, do you have any last words for our listeners before we call this podcast complete? Yeah. I mean, I think that it goes back to this foundation of the mindset piece and just realizing that you can market to your blue in the face, <laughs> you know, and if you don't have some sort of practices sustaining you to stay in that place that is all about self-belief and self-concept, then it the marketing's going to be harder. It will work, but it will be harder and you're probably not going to have as much fun in your business as not having it. So I think that it's always going back to what is that foundation and is it strong for you? And what do you need to work on? Because we all have things that we need to flip, as we've been saying, flip the beliefs, flip the thoughts to serve us better. All right, Christine, thank you so much for being with me here today. Okay, my friend, I will see you the same time, same place next week. Until then, stay inspired. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course on shulmanart.com.